Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. We are ordinary people being transformed into passionate followers of Jesus. And our greatest desire is to join God in the remaking of all things. I hope this sermon gives you a little bit of a look into the life of our church. You can learn more and connect with us further, LafayetteNaz.org. Have a great day. Really good to see you. Actually feels like winter out there this morning. Glad to have you join with us. We're going to turn our attention to Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 38, in just a couple of moments. And just a reminder, we are in a series of sermons called The Good Life, and we're taking a look at the statements of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, where he lays out for us his vision of, what a, of, his vision of the moral life, of what the good life looks like. And he admits, listen, you've heard all of these things that have been said. It's been said you should live your life this way. But then Jesus comes and he offers us this new way of doing life together. And so we want to take these words seriously. So this morning we're in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 38. These are the words of Jesus. He says this, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on your right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. And when they wish to haul you to court and to take your shirt, let them have your coat too. And when they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to those who ask. And don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. This is God's word for us this morning. Just this past week, um, I was with um, our youngest child, Luke, our son, and um, we were kind of at like this this uh, play community play place, and lots of kids, lots of kids, and Luke was playing, and I was observing, trying to watch, make sure I did not lose him, and referee if things needed to be refereed and typically with Luke he doesn't cause any problems but you know you're observing other children and I saw this scene play out I saw this scene play out there was a boy there who had brought with him some sort of a trinket a toy something and this was something that this child brought into this play area with him none of these other things existed this was just his He owned it, and he was kind of playing with it and uh, scooting along and playing with things. And then there was another boy who came up to this boy, and this other boy was a little bit bigger than this boy. And you could tell that this other boy had an interest in this, this toy that this boy had brought. And so, you know, you didn't need to be able to read lips to understand the conversation that was going on. The bigger boy said to the other boy, can I have that? And the other boy said no. And the bigger boy said to the other boy, can I have that? And reached for it. And the other boy said no. Again, this time kind of pulled it away. Well, when the little boy pulled it away, the bigger boy kind of slapped him on the shoulder. And immediately, instinctively, the little boy took the toy 
and just reared back and smacked him across the face as hard as he could. It was a counterpunch. It was a counterpunch. And then all of a sudden the parents descend and it all gets broken up. And we live, right, we live in that kind of a world. We live in a counterpunching sort of a world. And it's not, off, it's not just that the counterpunch in our culture is tolerated. It's celebrated. We celebrate the counterpunch. Now, for those of you who aren't familiar, counterpunch is a boxing term, and it's, it's a punch immediately thrown back at his or her opponent. And in boxing, it makes sense, because when someone punches you, they expose themselves to a counterpunch. But counterpunching in like a relational level or a personal level, that is a disaster. That's a disaster. So whether it's like a civil dispute or a neighborly sort of dispute, you can't get along with your neighbor, so your neighbor does something and then you decide to counterpunch back. Or whether it's like some HOA sort of madness or, or randomness or it's something in the workplace, you know, the, your, your colleague says this about you and then you counterpunch back with something else. Or even if it's something more serious than that, like a whole other level serious, like a national sort of a thing or a world sort of a deal. We, we live in that world. We live in that counterpunching world, tit for tat, eye for an eye, which is why Gandhi, one of his most famous lines is, an eye for an eye will make the whole world blind. And this is a challenging and direct part of Jesus' sermon. It's clear. I mean, there's no gray area here. This is clear. It's direct. It's blunt. It's like Mark Twain said, it ain't the parts of the Bible that I can't understand that bother me. It's the parts that I do understand. And we understand what Jesus is saying here. He is very clearly setting out a new path a new course for what it means to be his follower. And what he's saying is that to be a follower of Jesus means that we have to resist the urge to retaliate. We have to resist that urge. And whether retaliation comes through the words that we speak or whether it comes from like the passive aggressiveness of our life, or the actions that we do, we have to resist the urge to retaliate. The world operates on a script. The world that we live in, it has like a way that it's going, and the script that it operates on is revenge and retaliation. It's vengeance and it's violence. But Jesus says there's a whole other way, and he challenges that dominant script of our age and creates this radical and creative alternative. And this is all very real. It's not theoretical. This is real. So as we listen to the words of Jesus this morning, and as we walk through the realities and the implications of them, I, I want you to think today about the person you would like to counterpunch. I want you to think of that person and to see their face or that group of people and to see the groups of their faces and hold that person or that people in your mind. Think of them as we talk and consider 
these words of Jesus. You have heard it said, Jesus saith, but I say to you. And they had heard it said. They had heard it said in the Bible, but Jesus is here to offer to them something even deeper, even a little more true. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye. And it was said, an eye for an eye was said. I mean, if you know your Bible and the scripture well, you know in Leviticus chapter 24, all of this is spelled out. It's all spelled out in Leviticus chapter 24. Let me read it for you. It's the words from the Bible. If anyone kills another person, well, then they have to be executed. If someone who kills an animal, they can make amends for it, a life for a life. If someone injures a fellow citizen, they will suffer the same injury they inflicted. Broken bone for broken bone, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. The same injury the person inflicted on the other will be inflicted on them. And someone who kills an animal must make amends for it, but whoever kills a human being must be executed. There is but one law on this matter for you, immigrant or citizen alike, because I am the Lord, your God. It's clear. It's biblical. And that's the image in the book of Leviticus. Here's how it plays out. If you get into a kerfuffle with someone, a scuffle, and they knock your tooth out, they punch your tooth out, and you take them to court, and the judge looks in your mouth, and you're missing a tooth, and the judge looks at it, and the judge says to that guy, did you, did you punch his tooth out? And the guy was like, ah, man, it got carried away. I didn't realize my own power. A little bit of an accident. And the judge goes, yeah, but you did it. And so then the judge would say to you, okay, well, you get to knock his tooth out then too. Let's square it up. Let's make it evil. Tooth for tooth. Or you get into a little bit of a skirmish, and your eye gets all messed up. And you tell, go to the judge, and the judge takes a look at your eye, and it looks pretty bruised, pretty beat up. And the judge says, who did this? And you said, that guy did it. And that guy says, yeah, man, I, 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 judge, I, I did that. And then so the judge would say to you, okay, well, then you get to do that to him. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. And all of this sounds like a little bit harsh for us, but we have to understand the spirit behind the command. I mean, this eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth principle was to help people live in a world where there was justice and where there was equality. Because if we don't put into check our kind of desire to up the ante, like we don't just, when we, when we get hurt, we usually don't just want to even the score. We want to even the score plus a little bit. And so if all of that isn't restrained, if all of that isn't held in check, then that, that can start to fill up our hearts. I mean, here's how it would work. Prior to this law, it was possible, it was possible in that world, prior to this law, for there to be a slight injury to like your relative, let's say your mother. Someone slightly injured your mother. And, and you could avenge that by increasing and escalating violence. And so it's not just that you found the other person's mama, but that you found their whole family and you took justice and matters into 
your own hands. And, and Moses and God came along and spoke through Moses and said, listen, let's put an end to that way of life. I'm tired of it going overboard. And if there's anything that's true of human beings, it's this. We have the tendency to go overboard when we really feel like somebody has wronged us. I mean, if we feel really wrong, we don't want to just get even. We want to overreact. We want justice and then some. And we can lose control. And that's the story of human history, isn't it? It's the story not just of human history. It's the story of, of the playground. It's the story of our marriages. You hurt me. I'm going to hurt you just a little bit more. You insult me with your words. I slap you. You slap me. I punch you. You punch me. I stab you. You stab me. I shoot you. You shoot me. I shoot you and the people you care about. And war breaks out. So Moses says, listen, enough of all of that. Let's live in a culture where the punishment fits the crime. And so Jesus now in Matthew chapter 5 is saying to a crowd of people, You've heard all about that. You know all about that word from God. You know that law. But I'm going to say something new to you. I'm going to say something new to you. He says, you know what? Here's the new way. When someone strikes you on your right cheek, offer your left to them as well. And what is he saying? What is he saying? Is he saying equality and justice just doesn't matter anymore? That it's okay now? Is Jesus saying it's okay now for someone to hurt you and to continue to hurt you and you should just forget about it and move on? Is he saying that you should just be like a doormat and lay down and take all of it? He's not saying any of that. He's not saying any of that. He's not negating the prior command. He's actually deepening it. It's the same thing that when he says, you've heard that it's said, you know, you shouldn't commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who has lust in his heart, is he negating the commit adultery part of that command? No, he's deepening it with the lust in your heart. And so he said, when he says, you have heard that it is said, an eye for an eye, but I say, turn the other cheek. He's not negating the first part of it. He's deepening it. And so before we get to what Jesus means by this phrase, let's talk about what he does not mean, what he doesn't mean. He doesn't mean when he says this, that you should stay in an abusive relationship. He doesn't mean that. When Jesus says, turn the other cheek, he's not saying, just let yourself be a punching bag. He's not saying, let yourself be bullied. That is not what he's saying. He's saying at least three things when he says this. When Jesus says, listen, you've heard that it's said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, but I'm saying something new to you. I'm saying, if someone strikes you on your right cheek, offer the left He's saying at least three things. First is this, don't become 
the evil you are trying to resist. Do not become the very evil that you are trying to resist. One of the greatest temptations that all of us have is to become that which we hate. We all have that temptation. It's a temptation for all of us. And so Jesus is saying for his followers, stop the cycle. Stop it. Just break that cycle. I mean, we know how to escalate. We know how to perpetuate. But let's be the people who stop and break that cycle. So Jesus is not saying, just be a punching bag. But he's also not saying, punch them back. He's saying, do not become the evil you are trying to resist. That's the world that we live in. We live in a world that becomes the evil we're trying to resist, but the people of Jesus are the people who are learning how to say no. Not with me. That cycle stops right here. There's a story about Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard was serving as professor of philosophy at the University of Southern California. He was giving a, a, a lecture one day to undergraduate students. And one day, as he was giving a lecture to a classroom full of undergraduate students about like basics of philosophy, one of the, the, the students in the class just stopped him as he was teaching, interrupted class, and gave like his opinion about this subject matter in this really condescending way, just horribly condescending way in front of everyone. And all of the students who were there that day were surprised that this one student would behave like that, would have that kind of behavior, would speak to the professor in that kind of a matter. And the rest of the students were just waiting on the edge of their seats for the professor, for Dallas Willard, to just embarrass this punk, just bury him. And, and show to everyone just what kind of a fool this guy actually was. But instead, Dallas Willard, the professor, ends up saying, you know what, this is a really good time to end this class. Let's dismiss for the day. We're done. The students were confused, kind of puzzled by that. Why would he back down from that kind of a challenge? And so one of them came up to Dallas Willard afterward and said, you could have destroyed that guy. You are so much smarter than him. Why did you just dismiss the class? And Dallas Willard responded with this line. He said, I'm practicing the spiritual discipline of not having the last word. Jesus, by saying, turn the other cheek, is saying to us, don't become the evil that you are trying to resist. The second thing that, that's happening in this passage of Scripture is that this passage isn't necessarily about, like, non-resistance. It's about a creative kind of resistance. This is about creatively resisting someone. 
And so Jesus resisted evil with every fiber in his being. I think we can all agree to that. That if there's anything Jesus said no to and detested and despised in the world, it was the very presence of evil. And he always said no to it, but he resisted evil without using the tools of evil. Instead, he resisted it creatively. And that's what's happening here in this passage of Scripture when Jesus says, hey, turn the other cheek. It's not just be a punching bag. It's resist evil, break the cycle, but do it creatively. It's creatively resist the harm that another person might have done for you. And the prescription for how to do all of that is actually in the passage of Scripture that we read this morning. But we got to learn to read it well and to listen to it well and to pay attention to what Jesus actually says. So um, in order to do that well this morning, I think we need to kind of like play this out on stage. And so I'm going to need two volunteers uh, and I'm going to just pick them out of the crowd. And using the power of the stage and my microphone, you're going to say yes when I say your name. Jay, why don't you pop up here? And JD, why don't you come up here? Do you guys know Jay and JD? Why don't you welcome them as they come this morning? All right, stand right here in the middle and face each other. All right, now, yeah, that shake hands would be good. Okay, so here's what's going to happen. Um, Jay is going to be the one who has a problem with JD. All right, so Jay has a problem with JD. And Jay would like to physically harm JD. Not far off. Okay, um, JD, could you demonstrate to the congregation this morning which cheek is your right cheek? All right, that is JD's right cheek. And so Jesus says, when someone strikes you on your right cheek, okay, now, Jay, how is it that you would physically hit JD on his right cheek if you guys are? facing each other like this, right? You would have to use your left hand. This is your left hand, correct? Left, right? Yep. You'd have to use your left hand, or here's something creative. You could do the, the backhand back with the right, all right? So it's strike with the left or backhand with the right. Now, here's something that we miss when we read through this passage of Scripture. In the first century, no one did anything besides one thing with their left hand. When you sat at a table, you put your left hand behind you, and you ate with your right. When you greeted someone, you always greeted them with your right hand and put your left behind you. The reason why you would put your left behind you is because your left hand had one purpose, and it was to cleanse your body after your bodily functions. Do you all understand what I'm saying? So no one would ever, when they were squaring up, think to themselves, I'm going to hit someone with my left hand. It just wouldn't happen. It would be shameful for the person who was hitting someone. Instead, what Jesus is demonstrating in this passage, what's happening here is that the person who's striking JD is hitting them with the backhand from the right. All right, thank you, boys. Appreciate it. You sit down. Now, I have a really long quote from a brilliant biblical scholar to illustrate the nuances of this passage. And I'm going to put the words on the screen for you this morning. So let's stick with me, right? This is what he says. The backhand was not a blow to injure. 
but to insult, humiliate, degrade. A backhand was not administered to an equal, but an inferior. Masters backhanded slaves, husbands, wives, parents, children, Romans, Jews. The whole point of a backhand was to force someone who was out of line back into place. So notice Jesus' audience. If anyone strikes you, these are people that he's talking to who are used to being degraded. And he's saying to them, refuse to accept this kind of treatment anymore. So if they backhand you, turn the other cheek to them. And your left cheek now presents a perfect target for a blow with the right fist. But only equals fought with fists. And the last thing that the master wishes to do is to establish this underling's equality. This is an act of defiance. And it renders the master incapable of asserting his dominance in this relationship. He can have the slave beaten, but he can no longer intimidate him. By turning that cheek, the inferior is saying, I am a human being just like you, and I refuse to be humiliated any longer. I am your equal. I am a child of God, and I won't take it anymore. Such defiance is no way to avoid trouble. Meek acquiescence is what the master wants. Such turn-the-cheek behavior may call down a flogging or worse, but the point has been made. The powers that be have lost their power to make people submit. And when large numbers begin behaving this way, you have a social revolution on your hands. Do you understand what's happening here in this passage of Scripture? Jesus is saying to people used to being picked on and bullied and degraded and put down, the next time this happens to you, where someone comes and backhands you and insults you, you stand there and you offer to them your other cheek so that they can square up and punch you like they're an equal. And as you're doing that, you are saying to them and creatively resisting them and saying, you may hit me and you may punch me, but you will recognize me for who I am. I am created just as you are created. I am equal to you. I am a child of God and you can, ha- you can no longer have power over me like that anymore. And so if you've ever heard this passage of scripture preached where the admonishment to the people of God is to just be a doormat and just to absorb all of the suffering and all of the, the abuse that evil brings and creates in your life and is done to you. That's not what Jesus is saying here. What Jesus is saying here is resist, creatively resist, but do not use the tools of evil to resist the very presence of evil. Instead, recognize your dignity for who you are. Turn and look evil in the face and force evil to respond and to respect you. You know what this is? 
and this is Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, this is Rosa Parks refusing to sit in the back of the bus and saying, you are not better than me. I am not inferior to you. I was made in the image of God. This is black men in the civil rights movement saying, I am a man to those who would call me boy and try to oppress me. This is a woman looking at her abuser and saying, I am a person made in the image of God, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You're not better than me. I have dignity. I am turning the other cheek. And this is not about being a punching bag, but it's also not punching others. It's creatively resisting those who would see you as inferior. So it's about don't become the evil that you're trying to resist. It's about creatively resist the presence of evil in this world, but it's also overreact with grace. Overreact with grace. And so the law says, get justice, but don't overreact with anger. And Jesus says, overreact with grace. Surprise people with undeserved acts of love. So, if they want you to carry the bag a mile, you carry it a second mile. And if they want your garment, give it everything you got until you're standing there naked. And if they offer, or if they come to you looking for something for you to share, never Never, ever refuse all of that. And the truth is that in our own strength, we just cannot do that. We can't live that way. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, instead of returning insults with an insult, offer blessing. Instead of returning hatred for hatred, serve them. And the reason Jesus tells us to do this, check this out, isn't because it will change the other person. And that part's always a bit discouraging to us. He doesn't say, hey, if you do this, there will be reconciliation. Or if you do this, there will be like restitution. He doesn't say any of that. He says our willingness to turn the other cheek is the only thing that will truly conquer evil. And our willingness to overreact with grace is the only thing that will truly suppress evil in this world. And we don't do it because it works. We do it because it's a new way of life that Jesus has commanded and invited for us to enter. And so what's happening here in this passage of Scripture is that Jesus is forming a new community of people who relate to each other in surprising and beautiful and new and unique ways. And no longer is there this power differential between oppressors and people being oppressed. Instead, the oppressed have been lifted up and recognized their dignity. And no longer is it about just getting even. Now it's about 
Just giving grace and grace and grace and grace. And recognizing that as that happens, and as we walk the way of Jesus, the goodness of the kingdom of God is made present in our life and here on this earth. And I wonder what would happen, you know, to go back to that playground scene. I wonder what would happen if, from the very beginning of our hearts, this new way of being human was hardwired into us. How would that play out? And so bigger boy comes up to little boy and says, Hey, can I have your toy? Can I play with it? How's it work? This little boy stand there and offer the other cheek once big boy makes his advances. And I wonder how it happens amongst neighbors when disputes arise over silly things or significant things. And in marriages when this stuff plays out. And, and I wonder how it works in a workplace. And I wonder certainly how it works in a, in a church and in a community of people. And I wonder how it works in a city and a a state, and a country. I wonder how that works. But I'm inspired to live into that future. Where we live this new way of Jesus together. And we don't become the thing, the evil that we're trying to resist. And we figure out creative ways to resist the evil in our world. But most of all, I want to know what it's like to live in a world where our overreaction leans towards grace. Leans towards grace.